This is from the Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at Jesus, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked Jesus, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, with, hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the gospel of the Lord. So, that works. So to, today is uh, the last Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, we begin Advent, and we begin the new year, and we have the four weeks of waiting until finally the baby Jesus is born, and all of the, the hope, and all of the promise, and all of the things that we are looking for out of God begin to be fulfilled, but today, we celebrate Christ the King. We celebrate that God sends us a King, and that King is Jesus, and we begin talking about that King with the crucifixion story. And, you know, we've just had, you might have noticed, the presidential election. And you might have noticed that some people are happy and some people are anxious. Some people are rejoicing and some people are rioting. You know, you might have noticed that this election was particularly contentious and tense. And uh, I think it's important, especially right now, that we have this Christ the King Sunday in the midst of this election season. Because it helps us who follow Jesus to begin to hear good news. Whether you vote for Trump, whether you vote for Clinton, whether you vote Republican, whether you vote for Democrat or Libertarian or Constitution or any of the other 65 little, not, not really 65, but you know, any of the other little parties, you know, we, we need to hear good news in the face of elections that ultimately it's not the president who determines who we are, who, who determines our identity. It's not the president who determines what, to, what it means to really be God's people because that's our identity. It's not the president or the Congress or our mayors or our governors or our, or our statewide representatives who determine what it means to be who we are because in the church, we have a different identity. Our identity begins with the mark of the cross and the seal of the Holy Spirit. And the promise of our king that will not be broken, the only leader in our lives who will never break a promise to us, that we belong in the kingdom of God, that we have a place in God's kingdom. And through the waters of baptism, we realize that our identity is not as a people whose relationship relies on whether we agree. And, you know, I say this in a lot of places, I don't care whether you agree with me. It's not because I don't care about your opinion. But it's because my relationship with you is not rooted in whether we agree on, on hot-button issues. It's not rooted in whether we have any sort of common ground politically or morally or socially. It's not rooted in the idea of whether there is any unity among us because we happen to be friends or neighbors. 
But our unity is rooted in the fact that through the waters of baptism, through the water and the spirit, through the blood and, and body of Jesus, through what God is doing in us and with us and through us and for us, we are God's family. And our connection to our King is a connection in which water is thicker than blood. It's a connection that does not end, whether we are alive or whether we are dead and waiting on the resurrection. It's a connection that doesn't end, whether I agree with you about issues or not. It's a connection that doesn't end, whether I like you or not. It's a connection that begins in the fact that because God loves us, we are called to love each other. And because God loves what God creates, we are called to love the world. And there's a there's an other truth in this, what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, is that when someone tells you that our faith isn't political, it's not true. I don't mean like partisan politics, like Republican or Democrat. I mean that we worship a king. We call Jesus our king, and you don't get much more political than that. You know, we hear in the first lesson in Jer one of the reasons I had us read it today is first of all because I I think that kind of you know I will scatter you and you you know the the talk that God has to His people is talking to to His kingdom and talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to His children, and He's reminding them that they have a responsibility not only to each other, but they have a responsibility to the people around them. The reason that God is angry in Jeremiah is because they are people who are holding against each other the very things that are dividing us as a nation. Whether they agree about what's right or wrong. Whether they agree about how politics should work. And also God is frustrated because God has been reminding them that I am your king. I am your leader. I am the one who is holding you up. And I am the one who is righteous and I treat you fairly. And yet the people still were calling for a king. They still were calling to be like everybody else. And I think as teenagers you all have, a, have an opportunity to understand this in a unique way. Because I don't think there's any time in our lives where the pressure to fit in and be like everybody else is stronger than when we're teenagers. Not because y'all push each other harder than adults do, but because you're still trying to figure out what it means to be me. You know, what, what's it mean to be this person who has my own values and my own understanding, but I also come from a family who has its own values and understandings. I also come from a church that has its own values and understandings and a denomination that tells us that we're all part of the family regardless of what those values and understandings are. As a part of the wider church in the world that God works through the death and resurrection of Jesus and all of us, I think, whether we're teenagers or not, but particularly as teenagers, are trying to figure out, you know, what does this mean? What does it mean that I am who I am and I believe what I believe and how does it make any difference? And so we hear in the in the and the clamoring of the people to have this earthly king make us like everybody else. God says, all right, I'll give you a king, but you're not going to like it. And universally, starting with David, who everyone thought was going to be great, and then who had such exploits as we might remember Bathsheba, who was bathing, and David saw her and thought she was pretty. And so he had an affair with her, and they got her pregnant. And then they, they decided that they would kill her husband so that they could get married, and then chaos ensues. That's like a kind of short encapsulated version of what happens during David's kingship. Right? So we think the politicians today are crooked. Guess what? Politicians in every age have always been crooked. This is a universal truth. It's the way it happens. And not because politicians are uniquely qualified to do this, but because part of the truth about who we are as people is that we're broken and that we break our promises. 
and we're not dependable. This is why God kept saying over and over again, why do you need a king? I'm your king. Because God says to us, you know, I'm the one who doesn't break promises. I'm the one who you can rely on. You know, I'm, I'm the one who you can turn to and trust to always be there. And when I, when I make a campaign promise, you know, it's so, it's so straight and so narrow and so true that when I promise something, things pop into existence. Let there be light. Let the waters be separated from the waters. Let us create humankind, male and female, in our image. You know, when, when God promises something, it not only happens, but it begins to exist. And, and so we hear in Jeremiah, you know, the problem with earthly leaders. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is that most of us, and if you're anything like me, and I think you're a little bit like me, you know, you want someone who either is going to be the person who represents your values, or you want someone who's going to be angry in the same way that you're angry. You know, you want someone who's going to either represent all the good things that you want, or you want somebody who's going to be upset with people in the same way that you're upset with people. You know, we experience this division in this election, not because in the good old days we didn't used to be divided, but because that division is how we are, and it's how society has always been, and it's how society will always be. And we lift our leaders up, and we put them on golden chairs, and we've used to call them thrones, and now we call it the Oval Office. And that's great, but we see in our leader, our king, Jesus, a different ethic in the kingdom of God. And we see a difference between the politics that we talk about in the world and the politics that we ask for in the kingdom of God. You know, we see the throne of our Lord to be the cross. And from that seat of weakness and vulnerability, that seat of sacrifice, that seat where God chose out of love for us, to give himself for us, that the true power in the universe is not the nuclear arsenal of the United States. It's not our military might, even though we spend more than the next seven nations combined in our military. You know, it's not, it's not the power of our social justice. It's not the power of our moral convictions. It's not any of that stuff. The true power in the world is the sacrifice, the love, of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And God shows us something that I think it's important for us to remember as we come out of this service weekend that in, in God's kingdom love is the true power. And our job is to figure out, you know, how do we live into that kingdom value? Because we are always going to be people as long as we have faith or whether we doubt, no matter where we are, who live in this tension between a world that tells us that might makes right and a faith that tells us that love is the only thing that really has any power because everything else passes away. And when everything else passes away, love is the thing that's going to raise it back up. So we're going we're gonna to close this out by thinking for a minute about the things that we pray for during the Lord's Prayer and Communion. This is what God's politics look like. This is God's political platform, right? So we pray, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Basically that's saying that God is our king and God is holy. His very name is holy, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. So it tells us that there is a, there is a kingdom in which God expects things to be done, not only where God is right now in hopes that one day it will be right, but that God's will through the church, through us, through our hands and feet and words and deeds, there is something that we're called to do here and now to make God's kingdom more real everywhere we go. You know, and how does that work? 
you know, give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes when you get to college, that will be a prayer of hope that I will have something that I'm able to eat because I'm very poor. Sometimes in your first job, or second job, or third job, or fifth job, depending on you know how your jobs go, that will be a prayer of hope because you look in your refrigerator and you realize there's not much in there. But for people in the kingdom of God, that's also something that's a little bit different. That's the word of faith, that God is going to give us the things that we need to survive, that God will provide, that where God calls there to be the church, God will make provision for that work to be done. And we as God's people are called to live into that value, not fearing for what we might have, but trusting that God will provide those things that we need. You know, we have a, we have a value in God's kingdom that we ask for forgiveness in the same way we forgive. You know, not because those sinners out there need a whole lot of forgiveness, even though it's true of all of us, but it's because what we hold in our heart is the thing that we carry with us. And you think about the way we talk about a grudge. You know, we nurse a grudge. We hold a grudge. You know, think about what it takes to do that with a grudge. How much energy does it take to nurse somebody? How much energy does it, hold, does it take to hold something like that? We ask for forgiveness, not, just, not because God needs that forgiveness. Because God already loves us as much as God is going to love us. We need that forgiveness so that we can face in our hearts the truth of God's love. And face in our hearts the fact that God calls us to be able to stand face to face with the God who loves us and hear these words that God speaks, marked with the cross of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, held in God's grace, without having to have that guilt. And we give that gift in the same, same way that we give it because that's the example of our King, right? You know, kingdom come, or will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Help us to, to see in your world the places where you call us to go rather than going to the places where we want to go. Because if you're anything like me, there are lots of things you want to do, but half of those things are things that you shouldn't do. You know, and so we, we trust that when we begin to listen to God, God will lead us in those places we want to go and deliver us from evil, trusting that even in those times when we're afraid. I, I think this one's particularly important. Because I, I think no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, this is a time where a lot of us are afraid. It's a time where we're afraid of each other. It's a time where we're afraid of different groups. It's a time where we're afraid of different religions. It's a time where we're afraid of those people in other countries who may want to come over and get us. The, the thing that's true about the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God is not rooted in our fear of other people. The kingdom of God is rooted in the unity that we have through being a part of God's creation. And being a part of that love that God has for everything and everybody. And we're called to figure out how to live that out. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be borders. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be laws. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be afraid of people who want to do bad things to us because it's natural. But it does mean that we are called to be light in the world that calls us to be separated. And so we hear these kingdom politics. And, and we hear a really difficult call. Because I know as soon as I said the word politics, a couple of people must have checked out because it happens in every room where, where that happens. But we're also called to remember that what we do in this place has impact on the world around us. And so that means regardless of what we think, regardless of what we agree about, we are the family that God has called into the world to unite the world in a way that it can't imagine it can be. 
And that means that we are a people who are called to be vulnerable by you know, opening ourselves up to the possibility that when we speak God's truth, that God loves everybody, that people are going to reject that. We hear it on a regular basis. It, it means that we're called to be activists in the sense that we stand up for people who other people want to put down and oppress and talk about. It, it means we stand up when we see people bullying each other. It means we stand up when we see people picking on each other. You know, it means that we stand up when we see somebody who's by themselves and alone and afraid and we, and we give them that love that God gives them. You know, all those things that we do this weekend, we do everywhere we go. So when you think about what it means that Jesus is our king, it means that, yes, we're called to live here. And we're also called to live in a different type of culture and promote a different type of culture than, than what we hear so often in the world. And as we go out from this place, what we figure out as we go into our daily lives and then back into our homes and back into our congregations and back into our schools, we are called by our King to ask ourselves every day of our lives, what is it that God is calling us to do in this situation, in this place with these people? How is God calling me to stand up for the kingdom values that God has? You know, both in times when the kingdom values look like the worldly values and especially in times where the kingdom values don't look like the and, you know, how is it that we're able to find the support that we need to do this? And this is the only answer I'm going to give you in terms of the specific. The way we find support for doing this is in the family that God gave us, through our congregations, through our parents and our, our brothers and our sisters, through our friends, through those people where we look at them and we see in them the mark of the cross of Christ and the seal of the Holy Spirit and know that where Christ is king, water really is thicker than blood. Amen.